As a Christian, it's important to know what you believe and why you believe it. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell challenges us to become rooted and grounded in our faith. Jesus is telling the story because this woman made the meal for Elijah and her oil and her meal never ran out. And by the way, have faith to realize God brought you here this morning. God has blessed you this week. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and running over shall men give into your bosom. And this lady learned that that day. She gave and God kept on taking care of her. We live in a shallow and uprooted society. But as Christians, we can be firmly rooted in our relationship with Christ. In our series, Rooted for Growth, we will discover the nutrients we need to remain spiritually strong. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you don't have a healthy spiritual root system, then every part of your life is impacted negatively. Through today's scriptures, we will explore what it means to be a rooted Christian who is growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chapel with part one of a message called, A Rooted Witness. The Bible tells us that for 40 days, Jesus Christ made himself known to his church. He made himself known by what the Bible refers to as many infallible proofs. In fact, I want you to see that in Acts chapter 1 and there in verse number 1, verses 1 through 3. Just take a moment and notice what the scriptures say here. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now over 1,500 people that we know of saw the resurrected Christ And they heard him convincingly teach of his identity and of his deity and of his purpose for their lives. And what an amazing thought indeed to see the resurrected Christ. And I don't blame some of those that doubted a little bit right at first. They must have been in shock to see the resurrected Christ. These disciples had been instructed to return to Galilee in order that they might see the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's where we pick up in the Bible text this morning. The Bible tells us in verse 16 that these 11 disciples now come into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now, now friends, how many of you would have loved to have been there on that day? I mean, just imagine that, to see the resurrected Savior. And by the way, how many of you are looking forward to seeing the Lord face to face someday as well? And what a great day that will be. And yet here they come uh, to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in verse number 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now I want you to take a brief moment with me this morning. If you have your outline, I want you to notice the response to the resurrected Christ. The response to the resurrected Christ. Now have you ever wondered when you see Jesus, what will your response be? And I, I, I think about that sometimes. Sometimes I wonder if it's just going to be a response of awe. Uh, will there be tears? Will there be joy? Will there be rejoicing? Probably a little bit of everything like that. Don't you imagine when you see the Lord Jesus, your Redeemer, 
face to face. But the Bible says when they saw him, and I think this is the right word to summarize what happened. When they saw him, they worshiped him. I'm going to tell you right now, whether you worship him with tears, whether you worship him with a smile, whether you worship him uh, in song, whether you worship him uh, in, uh, in some other way, the word worship really describes what was going on in their heart when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to just think about two thoughts with me this morning on this subject of worship. First of all, who was worshiping him? Who was worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible says here uh, that the 11 went to see him. Uh, When they went to see the Lord Jesus Christ, it is very clearly stated that this was uh, his 11 disciples going on their way. But no doubt there were others who saw the Lord Jesus along the way of his, uh, uh, his resurrected body. But particularly, I want you to think of a few people that we saw last week. And, and think, if you would, for a moment about Thomas. And you remember Thomas and the, the doubts that Thomas had and, and, and uh, how he said, I, I have to see him. I have to touch the scars in his body. I, I, I'm one of these uh, uh, guys that have to have it proven to me, you know, logical Thomas. But look at what the Bible says about Thomas when he saw the resurrected Christ. In John 20, 28, it says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God... Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Now, thank God that when Thomas finally realized that this was Jesus Christ, he simply said, my Lord and my God. I want you to thank the Lord today that we serve a risen Savior. And by the way, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed, Jesus says. But Thomas' response was, my Lord and my God. And as we saw last Sunday morning, Jesus didn't say, Thomas, don't call me God. Jesus didn't say, don't refer to me in that way. Jesus received that ascription because of the fact that he is God. And so we see the worship that he received. He received the worship of God. And then think also of the women that we saw last week, Mary Magdalene and the others of the disciples of Jesus Christ. And Matthew 28 and verse 9 says, And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then uh, I want you to see another reference to uh, Jesus being seen as the resurrected Christ. In Luke 24, 51, it says, and it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Now, the response to the resurrected Christ was universally a response of worship. And it was a response that was due to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's what we're here doing this morning. When we sing about the glorious day, when we sing about Jesus saves, when we open the word of God, we are here to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we see some of the worshipers, but let's, let's delve into it just a little more. Why were they worshiping him? Why were they worshiping him? Well, we already saw one of the reasons, because they realized that he was the son of God. But I believe they were worshiping the Lord because he is worthy of worship. The word worship means to ascribe worth toward, or some have said to kiss toward. Uh, In other words, uh, to give worship to someone is to bow, to give obeisance to them, 
and to say to them, you are worthy of my adoration. Psalm 95 and verse 6 says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And they were worshiping him for a very few fundamental reasons. First of all, they worship Jesus Christ because Jesus is the truth embodied. The Bible says in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And I believe every one of us today recognize Jesus Christ as the truth embodied. And John 4 and verse 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so they were not really looking at Jesus as just another prophet or just another teacher, but they were looking at Jesus as the very Son of God, worthy of their worship, the truth in flesh. And this is what John 1.14 tells us about Jesus Christ. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Now we need to understand in this day of loose-lipped worship, In this day, uh, when people ask about and talk about praise and worship, and they're talking about normally some type of a rock concert or something, we need to recognize what worship really is. The fact of the matter is that worship uh, that is based on truth will be a life-changing worship. Worship is not just supposed to be a Sunday morning high, and then we go back into the delves of fleshly living throughout the week. Worship that is real worship touches and changes our heart, transforms our lives into a purpose uh, which is to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, True biblical worship is a transformational worship. Now, the proof in the pudding of this is going to be what do these disciples do after they worship the Lord Jesus Christ? And frankly, what they do is turn the world upside down. Because they weren't just having an emotional service here. They were worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. Worship involves then our attitudes and our actions. Worship involves not just uh, a sensation or an emotion, but it involves having a right attitude toward God, being transformed, Romans chapter 12, by the renewing of our mind, and then our lives becoming yielded to the Lord in service Uh, forever. Now, each of the disciples were men and women also who had their lives transformed because of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, these 11 that came to Jesus here in Galilee, every one of them died a martyr's death. Now think of that. How true was their worship? How real and genuine was their discipleship? How many of you would say if they died for Jesus Christ, it must have been fairly serious to them? And every one of them did. And oftentimes you hear people say, well, you know, we just really praise and worship and, uh, you know, we just, we had a great jam session, you know, we were just praising and worshiping, but then you talk about uh, maybe serving or witnessing or giving or something just kind of practical in that sense, the outflow of what should be a worshipful heart, and, and they're not sure if they want to get involved in that. And I'm telling you this morning that true worship when we really have a heart for Jesus, when we uh, recognize who he is and we worship him because of who he is and what he's done, then there's an outflowing from that heart uh, of service unto the Lord Jesus Christ. During the 1500s, 
There were many people worshiping the Lord in England called Anabaptists, and they were referred to as Anabaptists because uh, Baptists have always believed that after someone gets saved, then they should then be baptized to identify with Jesus Christ. And, and in essence, that meant that if someone was sprinkled as a baby, that they were saying uh, by being baptized after salvation that that sprinkling was a religious rite but not a biblical ordinance. And so whenever someone would get saved during this period of time, and uh, even, even before and after the Reformation time, then they would be baptized to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, that's what happened all the way back in the early first century church. There was a woman in England by the name of Anne Askew in 1546. And uh, she was a woman that had come to faith in Jesus Christ, and she no longer believed that salvation was found through the sacraments of the Roman Catholic Church. And because she did not believe you must take the sacraments in order to be saved, uh, she was apprehended. Anne of Askew was apprehended uh, for holding heretical opinions. And because of her heretical opinions, they took this woman and they, they had her lie down on a rack, as they called it. And they took uh, her hands and put them into cuffs and her feet into cuffs. And they began to turn the rack until it pulled her bones out of joint, until it pulled her ligaments out of joint, all the while asking Anne of Askew if she would simply recant her belief that baptism after salvation was correct and that she would no longer renounce the ordinances for salvation. Well, as they continued to turn the wheel, she proclaimed loudly that she could not deny her Lord and Master. And so they took her from this rack, and they put her now on a stake and tied her to a stake and put sticks below her feet, and there they lit the fire, and she became a martyr in 1546. You can see the plaque to her life and the memorial of her life in Smithfield, London, England, even to this day, posted. And it says that at this site, Anne Askew died a martyr's death for her faith in Jesus Christ. And her crime was the denial of the masses. Now, I share that with you this morning to simply remind you that the martyrs of the past literally worshiped God with their own blood. Giving their own blood was the ultimate price that they paid. And I'm simply saying today that Americans' view, our view culturally many times of worship is very shallow. Our view of what it means to really surrender to the Lord sometimes is very shallow. And the fact of the matter is that when these men, when they saw the Lord Jesus Christ and when they worshiped him, there was a transformation taking place. There was a, 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 a sacrifice of their heart being offered to the Lord uh, through the time that they had in worshiping him. Well, I understand that the Christian life uh, is a blessed life. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I thank the Lord for that. But I'm simply saying today that worship that is true worship may also involve a sacrificial spirit as well giving of our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the reason they were worshiping is because Jesus was spirit and truth and worthy of their sacrifice. And folks, may we not forget the price that's been paid. And may we not be unwilling to give our lives to the Lord in real worship, not shallow worship, but in true worship under the Lord. And so the response to Christ was a heartfelt worship. And we see that in their lives yielded.
yielded to the Lord. But I want you to then notice with me this morning the revelation of the resurrected Christ. Now, we see the hearts of these disciples. Their hearts, my Lord and my God, their hearts were wide open. Their hearts were not uh, just uh, shallow in their worship, but truly from the depth of their hearts, we see their response. But what did Jesus Christ say to them? What is the revelation of the resurrected Christ? And last week we saw the revelation. This week we see what Jesus said in those first appearances back to his disciples. Notice in verse number 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone said to me in the first century, hey, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that was crucified on the cross, the, uh, the, the one uh, that was uh, accused by Pilate and by the, by the uh, chief priest, and, and, and that one that died on the cross, he is resurrected and he's over in Galilee and he's going to give a speech. I don't know about you, I would be interested even as an unsaved man to hear that speech. And I would be curious, wonder what he's going to talk about. Wonder what this Jesus is going to say. Now, in today's society, I think someone... I might have come forth and said, I want to tell you about, you know, what I saw up in heaven, and I want to, I'm going to tell you about what it's like on the other side. Maybe they'd write a book about it. Some have done that in recent years and, and have tried to describe their glimpse of heaven and so forth. But that's not the tact that Jesus took, is it? That's not what he chose to speak to them about. And what did he reveal to them? And I want you to get this this morning. As basic as this is, I want to tell you something. Most Christians have not made Christ's last command their first priority. And, and, and I believe, personally, the last words that somebody leaves to us should be heard. So let's hear his words. The first things Jesus says in verse number 19, we'll come to verse 18 in a moment. Verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The first portion of the command then is to make disciples. To make disciples. To go and teach all nations. Now, this language is in the imperative mode, uh, which means we as his disciples are under constant orders to always be busy about this matter of making disciples, uh, to constantly be involved in sharing the good news, and to be involved in our Father's business. You know, when a deputy sheriff is, is given his badge, and, and uh, I've had the privilege of, of being to many of the uh, uh, ceremonies where the badges are placed on and where the, uh, where the men are deputized, I've had the opportunity to pray at some of those events and so forth. But you know, when a, when a deputy sheriff or a Los Angeles police officer or whatever, when they are deputized and placed into the privileged uh, uh, business, if you will, of public safety, they're not just given an eight to five responsibility. They are told at that time, you're to be on call 24-7. If there's a crisis, be ready to come. If there's a violence uh, taking place and you're there, you are deputized to deal with that matter. You see someone being robbed, you're to act. You're to be ready at all times. And by the way, how many of you are thankful for our public servants who serve in that way? I'm thankful for them and for what they do. But they're deputized uh, 24-7. Well, God says when it comes to the business of making disciples, you are deputized 24-7. He says, I want you to be involved in this matter, to be ready at all times. In fact, in the book of 1 Peter, he said, I want you to be instant. I want you to be ready uh, to give an answer to any man that may ask a reason of the hope that is within you. I want you to be ready with that answer. I love what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, you are a Christian because somebody cared. Now it's your turn. 
Now, that's a good statement. By the way, how many of you would agree with that? You're a Christian because somebody cared for you. Now, that's, that's why we're sitting here today, because somebody heard what Jesus said, and somebody brought the gospel to us. And so here he says, make disciples. Now, let's just take this for a moment and notice in verse 19, he says, go ye therefore. The word go means to lead over, to pursue the journey, to continue on one's journey. He says, I want you now to continue this journey. I want you to go forth with this message. And I want you to understand that God says in this word going uh, that he wants us to carry out what he had started here in his ministry. And, and then the word go secondly means to transfer the truth uh, on this journey, to share the truth with someone else. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says it this way, The things that thou hast heard of me amongst many witnesses, the same commit to other men who shall be able to teach others also. The same commit to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And so God says, I want you to go out and commit the word of God. The apostles were commanded to do this. And, and uh, even... As they were released from prison, they were commanded by an angel in Acts 5 and verse 20, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. That was their commission, to go out and to speak the truth of the word of God. Evangelism then is the perpetual task of the whole church and not the particular hobby of certain of its members. It's not up to the staff or to a few, you know, select guru people to be the witnesses for the church, but Jesus is giving this commission to all of his disciples, to his church, as they gathered around him, he's saying, I want you to go, I want you to make disciples and be faithful in the work. I believe it was uh, Oswald Smith who said, oh my friends, we are loaded down with countless church activities, while the real work of the church, that of evangelizing, evangelizing the world and winning the lost is almost entirely neglected. So Jesus gathers his church together and he says, I want you to go. And then notice in verse 19, he says, go ye therefore and, what's the next word say? Teach. Go ye therefore and teach. And this literally means to make disciples. And, and the word here speaks to us about teaching until there's an understanding, teaching until there's a decision made uh, to follow as well the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Now I'm thankful for those who taught me about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for those who taught my wife, Terry, and I often think of her salvation. Uh, she grew up in San Jose, California, and her mom and dad were not saved. Uh, she was uh, uh, living uh, there in the home with them as a teenage girl, about eighth grade. One day, a man who uh, had learned this very principle at his church, this idea of going and telling others, knocked on her door. I mean, went out and knocked on her door, knocked on all the doors in her neighborhood, and he was what they called a bus captain. He was a man that knocked on doors on Saturday and came back by on Sunday picking up boys and girls. And he knocked on my wife's door and, and he said, hi, 
And he said, uh, my name's Mr. Harper, and I'm uh, here from the United Baptist Church, and we're just inviting folks to church to hear about Jesus Christ, and we'd like you to come. And, and uh, my wife heard the invitation, and uh, that next Sunday, the bus rolled around, but she didn't get on the bus. She didn't go, but Mr. Harper came by the next Sunday and invited her again, and she came to church that time, and, and, uh, and she went into, the, uh, went into the Sunday school and enjoyed that. And then she went and got back on the bus. She didn't know there was church after Sunday school. And so someone came and got her off the bus and said, there's church too, young lady. And she sat there in the back of the church and she said, I knew after hearing about Jesus and what he'd done for me, I knew that I needed to accept Christ as my Savior, but I was too afraid to walk from the back of the church to the front where the preacher was. And so she didn't come forward. By the way, that's why we have soul winning. And thank God that two ladies from that church on Tuesday night came to her house in San Jose, California and took the time to lead a little eighth grade bus girl whose parents weren't saved, whose dad was an alcoholic and told her that somebody loved her and his name was Jesus Christ. Go, go. Now somebody might say, well, I just don't know if you have to do it that way and you know, this thing of, of giving a track or this thing of knocking a door or this thing of talking to a buddy of mine at work, that's just not the way I am. Let me encourage you, friend. You figure out how you're going to do it, but just do it. You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chappell on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchappell.com and click on his social media links. While you're there, be sure to sign up for his free Daily in the Word email devotional and take a look at all the helpful resources. Again, that's paulchapel.com. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel serves as a pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today, where you can listen to today's entire message, become a partner in the Word, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at paulchapel.com. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.